Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for these opportunities. I thank you, God, that you're here in this place, and I thank you, God, that you still speak to us. I ask, God, that you just be with us during this time. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. So this morning, where is your focus? Where is your focus? What things in life are we putting our focus on? Is it on God? Is it on church? Is it school? Is it your job? Is it your bank account? Is it sports? Is it music? Is our focus on things that we shouldn't even be doing? To me, one of those things that I probably focus on more than I should is social media. And social media is one of those things that comes with the bad and it comes with the good. There's, there's a lot of bad things to go through, and I'll mention a few of those right now. There are challenges to our children. Um, last, last school year, there was a challenge from TikTok to the, the students in public schools that inevitably did get them in trouble. Last year, there was a TikTok challenge instructing students to, to do something different each month. Um, the, these things varied from vandalizing school bathrooms, which we heard about locally, to vandalizing school signs, to going up to, to school staff and smacking them across the face, to... Um, to things that are a lot worse that I'm not going to address here. And if you're a teacher in here right now, you're having a crazy backlash thinking, oh my goodness, that was absolutely insane. I don't want to think about it. So all the teachers in here are probably having heebie-jeebies right now. Um, There are vulgar songs on social media that we're instructed to dance to, publicize. There are always arguments. There's name-calling, mud-slinging, and slandering. Is this our focus? We read about different social media scams or our friends being cloned every day. How often do you get a friend request from someone that you're already friends with? It's crazy. People are put on blast or publicly humiliated with absolutely no way to defend themselves. Inappropriate videos and pictures saturate our news feeds. We are bombarded with what could be inaccurate accounts of what's happening or challenged by fact finders when we post something that's disagreed with. Does this steal our focus? There are so many reasons not to like social media, but there are also a lot of reasons to like it. Do we focus on the bad or do we focus on making change? How many times do we see encouraging words or uplifting phrases or stories of redemption and determination or words of affirmation when we need it most? I absolutely love this one. When we get to see pictures or videos regarding um, a family and friends that we haven't seen recently, how often... Those of you that are social media people, how often do you get comments regarding your kids or your nieces and nephews or your grandchildren from people talking about, oh my goodness, I can't believe how tall your daughter has gotten, or I can't believe how handsome your son is now. Doesn't that just make your day? They're talking about freckles, ponytails, bike rides, the the birthday candles and the, the blowouts and all those things. Being able to keep up with people that we moved away from years ago is is a great thing about um, social media. I'm constantly seeing quotes that I can screenshot and add to my ever-growing quotes collection. 
I love, and I'm sure you do too, I love receiving sweet posts or loving, encouraging words that I can save and put in my blessings file. I also love to send sweet words or prayers or scriptures that can potentially change someone's outlook on a very bad day. I love, in, I love to post encouraging thoughts, biblical references, life applications, funny stories that might just change someone to look differently at life. My daughter isn't always the big fan of what I post, but she's not here and she'll get over it. I love to make people smile. I love reading new recipes, especially those recipes that teach me how to make low-calorie pizza that doesn't taste like low-calorie pizza. Those are the best things on on social media. I love watching different weightlifting experts post um, new workouts. And although I don't look at... Although I don't look like it at all, I enjoy applying them to my early morning gym sessions. I really, really, really enjoy making sure that millennials know Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James. (laughs) But I think my very, very favorite thing to see on social media are stories of men and women who have overcome trials adversities, unfair circumstances, and physical or mental disabilities to achieve their destiny, to achieve what they've been called to do, to achieve what God has birthed inside of their lives. Yeah, let's give it up for God. I love those kind of stories. How many of you guys like those kind of stories? When you see a happy ending story, I absolutely love those. And one story I remember reading on social media a few years back was about a young man with great focus named Anthony Robles. And Anthony was a senior at this time. He was a senior at Arizona State in 2011. And he had just won the NCAA National Wrestling Championship for the 125-pound weight class. That's a pretty phenomenal feat to do. That's an awesome accomplishment. But that in itself is not so unusual. What's unique about this story is that Anthony was born with his right leg missing all the way to the hip. The ultrasound, we see him here. He's on the wrestling mat. I think we have another picture of him here in a second up there standing in the, um, from the championship. We see Anthony up there. His leg was missing all the way up to the hip. Um, the ultrasound had not shown this before he was born. And post-birth, there were no tests that could explain what happened. This kid was um, just a kid without a leg. And I can't imagine starting life like that. But from the very beginning, Anthony chose to live life. He chose to focus. Anthony had to choose where his focus was going to be. He tried, they tried to fit him with a prosthetic leg at the age of three, but he said, no, 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 no. This takes more time to put on my leg than it's worth. I could be outside playing. I could be outside doing something fun instead of putting this leg on. So he threw the leg down, grabbed his crutches crutches, and took off running. He scrapped it and he went with his crutches. Does he focus on achieving what he knows he's capable of? Or does he focus on the words of those telling him that life will be less difficult if you take the easy way out? Anthony didn't choose the easy way out. He chose the God way. 
He chose to focus on something bigger than he was. He chose to focus on something that would change the world. He chose to focus on something that would empower others. He chose to focus on something that would encourage others. He chose to focus on something that could change potentially someone else's life. And I'm reminded of another man in scripture who chose where his focus would be. A man who also chose to not take the easy way out. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter, um, excuse me, to Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. And when, I, when Pastor initially asked me to speak this morning, I had a completely different thing in mind. And, and I tend to be someone that likes to sometimes pick out obscure passages and try to find something there. And I, I tend to shy away from really popular stories. But I just felt like this is what God wanted me to share this morning. It's a story that most of you, if you've been in, in church at any point in your life, have heard this story in Sunday school or children's church or through an adult sermon, but Daniel 6, 1 through 12, and I'm reading from the New King James, says this, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, this thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Wow. Wow. Daniel had a choice to make. He could either focus on God or focus on imminent, sure death. We know what he chose. He chose God. We will never know the strength of our conviction 
until we're forced to make a sacrifice. I'm going to say that one more time. We will never know the strength of our conviction until we're forced to make a sacrifice. How focused or sincere are we in our relationship with Jesus? What are we willing to do to show that sincerity? What are we willing to do to show that focus? Are we willing to sacrifice something important from our lives to show how strong our relationship with Jesus is? what our relationship with God is? Are we willing to give up something that otherwise we wouldn't want to give up? Where is your focus today? Is it on God or is it on things that don't matter? Focus is the primary. It's the the foremost. It's the main point of interest. It's whatever grabs our undivided attention in our lives. Whatever is the most important thing, that is what we are focusing on. Our focus is made up from our priorities. Daniel's focus was comprised or built in his understanding of, in his love for, and in his devotion to God. But he also understood that in focusing on true conviction, there was always the possibility of having to make a sacrifice. There will always be the possibility of losing something we love for the cause of God. But I want to add this, the benefits will ultimately outweigh the losses. There's a chance. There, there, there wouldn't be martyrs without that chance. There wouldn't be people who have died throughout the centuries who have lived for God and died for the cause. But the benefits definitely outweighed their losses. This morning, I'm not going to keep you long, but I just want to give you three um, areas that Daniel maintained his focus. Number one, Daniel's determination was focused. Determination is often the fuel that allows us to finish what we start. In the last two weeks, in the last three weeks, we've seen, de- we've seen determination in action as hundreds of kids throughout southwest Missouri have um, graduated from high school. We've watched kids walk across stages. We've watched kids go to baccalaureates. We've watched kids raise their hands and shout and parents blowing air horns and just excitement. They may not have always wanted to keep pushing forward, but they did. But they did. They completed what they started. They worked hard. They showed up. They followed through on what was started 13 years ago, and now they've made it. They were determined. Daniel was determined. They now get to carry home with them a piece of paper in a frame that forever says, I am a graduate of high school. I was determined to finish something, and I followed through with it, and I finished it out. So let's give it up for our graduates. I don't know if there's any in here this morning, but that's an awesome, awesome, awesome accomplishment. 6 verse 3, it said, Daniel had so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Everyone, is, everyone say exceptional qualities. Exceptional qualities that the king had planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel had been set apart in a way that everyone noticed who and what he was. 
he had long been different. This wasn't um, an abrupt change. This wasn't something that just happened. This is who he was. This was his DNA. This was the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he lived. This didn't come by drifting by. It came from an intentional desire to grow. Daniel focused on God, and because he had already made the decision not to compromise his spiritual values and convictions, regardless of the outcome, God blessed him in other ways. And in the first chapter of Daniel, we can backtrack a little bit. It's not going to be on the screen, but we go back to when um, the, the, the Babylonians had invaded the Hebrew people and brought them back to Babylon. And um, we see in, in verses, or in chapter 1, verse 4, we see that Daniel came to Babylon as already as a young man without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. We move forward a few verses to verse 20, and it says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, Daniel and his friends, ten times better than all the magicians or enchanters in his whole kingdom. Daniel was determined to be the best. Scholars and theologians estimate him at this point. Some say he's around 70. Some say he's around 90. But either way, it doesn't matter. He'd been in the country for at least 50 years and had continued growing in his understanding of God and his knowledge of life so that by this time, by this time in chapter 6, he would naturally be even more gifted than he was when he first got there. He, He knew more. He had grown more. He, he, was, he was wiser. He was smarter. He, he'd lived there for, for several years, and at this point, he was just a completely different person. He had determined long before King Darius was granting him leadership over the kingdom that he'd live his life a certain way. During these 50 or 60 or 70 years, however many it was, he'd already dealt with a lot. He'd experienced the kidnapping He'd experienced trials. He'd been stripped from his family. He'd um, heard about his buddies almost frying to death in a furnace. He was living in a new culture that was filled with false gods, but his focus on God never changed. King Darius saw in Daniel things that were different, things that he wouldn't have to worry about, things that he might worry about some of the other leaders, but in Daniel, he, he saw something special, something unique, something um, trustworthy. He saw in Daniel a firmness of purpose, someone who wasn't going to be bought off or changed because the power was going to his head. At what point do we as Christ followers become so determined to do the right thing that it's no longer even a question. Early on in life, Anthony Robles, the boy we talked about initially, determined that his handicap would not dictate how he'd live his life. At the age of five, he decided one day, I'm going to learn to ride a bike. All the other kids are riding up and down the road, and if they can do it, then I can do it. I'm going to learn to ride a bike. He hopped on a bike. Maybe he didn't hop. I'm not sure how that works. But he got on the bike and... With no more falls than any normal kid, he eventually started riding the bike up and down the road just as well or as fast as a kid with both legs. When he was a little bit older, he determined, you know what? I see these kids running the track, and if they can do it, then I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do it. 
And so he got his crutches. And although he wasn't technically running the mile, he got to where he could crutch the distance within as little as eight minutes. And, and I want to say that's probably about 12 minutes faster than most of us in here can run the mile. This, this kid was determined to be firm in his purpose. So what is our purpose? I could make a case that it's um, to love God and love the people around us with God's love. It's living in a way that makes God smile. Are we determined? Are we focused to do that? Colossians 3.17 in the NIV says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you're determined to keep your focus on God, then ask yourself these things. Does what I'm doing bring glory to God? Can what I'm doing be done with a complete awareness of who Jesus is and all Jesus stands for? Can I ask the blessing of God? Can I ask the blessing of Jesus on what I'm currently doing? Will Jesus approve of what I'm currently doing? Would Jesus even do it himself? Will what I'm doing cause another Christian to possibly compromise their convictions? If we're answering no, to some of these questions, then we may need to reevaluate how focused we are in our determination to live for Jesus. Number two, Daniel's discipline was focused. I don't really enjoy hearing my alarm go off at 4.45 a.m. every single morning just so I can be in the gym by 5.15. I don't really enjoy feeling like my body has been hit by a truck, like I've been in a wreck. I don't really enjoy wearing ugly knee braces that are a gross green every single morning so my knees don't hurt. I don't really enjoy tracking what I eat every single day. What I do enjoy is how I feel when I walk out of the gym. What I do enjoy is how my body has changed. What I do enjoy is that I'm sleeping better. I do it because I'm focusing on being the healthiest me that I can possibly be. I discipline myself so I can be the most effective follower and representative of Christ that I can be. Discipline is a conscious choice to do what we don't always feel like doing, but we do it anyway. Anyone here ever heard of Usain Bolt? He's arguably the fastest man to ever live. And something that he once said, he said, I've trained for four years to run for nine seconds, but other people can't even train for two months without giving up. People can get on Facebook and YouTube for hours, but they have a tough time finding time to study God's word. We can get on TV, Disney+, Netflix, and we can binge watch um, shows all night long, but we struggle to find time for prayer. We can go through the drive-thru at Burger King or McDonald's and grab our food and run home. But we can't find intimacy in learning who our friends are, who our family is, who the people around us are. Getting up at 5 a.m. for sports tournaments, but too sleepy to show up for church at 11 a.m. 
We make the choice to engage whether we feel like it or not. Where's our focus? Verses 4 and 5 said that these men, talking about the satraps and the administrators and the governors, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, they said, we'll never find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has to do with the law of his God. These men had watched and watched and watched Daniel for years. They knew his tendencies. They knew his desires. They knew his priorities. They knew his devotion. They knew that his focus was always, always, always going to be on God. There, there may have been conversations where they attempted to bribe him for his influence. They, they may have tried to get him to go out and party with them and do crazy things. They may have tried to get him to look the other way when they were doing crazy things, but he never would. He was too focused. He was too focused on God, too disciplined in his lifestyle for them to find any negatives. He was too disciplined and focused for them to find any fault. He was too disciplined and focused for them to find any corruption. Church, there's going to be attacks against me, against us, against you. There's going to be attacks. We know that. It's scriptural. But how do you respond to those attacks? By keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. When you do that, There will be nothing they will find against you. And in fact, we can look the other direction. Here's something to ask yourself today. If you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence against you for a conviction? Think about that. If if someone came up to you and said, I've got it in the bag right here. I'm a prosecuting attorney. I'm accusing you of being a Christian. And everything I have right here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convict you with. Is there enough stuff in that bag? Anthony had people saying he was, this is the craziest thing about this story, is he had people saying he had an unfair advantage, that he was cheating because his upper body was built up past what a normal 125er would be. And they're saying he's way too strong to compete in a 125-pound weight class. Come on, the guy had one leg. What are you talking? Unfair advantage. There are always going to be people coming against us with crazy thoughts and crazy things. They're not going to stop. But you keep your eyes focused on God. You keep your heart focused on God. You keep your mind focused on God. And he will keep you in check. People will say anything, but stay focused. In Matthew, we we know the story of Peter, and he sees Jesus walking across the water, and Jesus says, come on out here, and he jumps out of the boat and takes off running to him. But pretty soon, he takes his focus, he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he starts to sink. All it took was to say, Jesus, lifts up his hands, gets his eyes back on the prize. Jesus reaches out, pulls him up, and he starts walking again. Yeah, Peter might have failed. He might have almost drowned. But he got back up by focusing on Jesus and did something that day that no other man in history besides Jesus had ever done. He walked on water. We talk about him as a failure, but the guy walked on water. He did something crazy. He kept his focus on the Lord, and he did something revolutionary and crazy. Daniel's discipline and faithfulness to God undoubtedly earned him some powerful enemies. They were jealous 
and his incorruptibility likely lost them some opportunities to grow their incomes. They weren't happy with this guy. They were upset with him. They wanted nothing more than to get rid of him. Daniel knew that in his prominent position, he was exposed to them constantly searching for cracks that could be used against him. But he was so well disciplined in his walk with God that the cracks were almost non-existent. If it wouldn't have been for his political position to start with, he'd have been left in obscurity. They wouldn't even care. If you weren't doing something for God, people wouldn't take the time to notice anyway. If you weren't doing something to change the world around you, to change the atmosphere, to change people's lives for the cause of Jesus Christ, then there wouldn't be any attacks coming against you. But if there are attacks coming against you from the enemy, that means you're doing something that is making God smile. It wasn't just Daniel they were after, but God. If Daniel fell, God would not be exalted there. There's an assault against Christianity in our society today, but we must stay focused on the prize. If they can bring down someone that claims to be a strong Christian, then they think they can bring a conviction against Jesus. People have been trying to do that for 2,000 years, and it's never worked once. Those other men knew that if Daniel became the second in command, as Darius was planning, then their tenure was about to be over. The more influence you have, the more disciplined you need to be, need to be because someone is just waiting for you to slip up. Keep your focus on Jesus. And if you do slip up, if you do mess up, because we're human and we all mess up, if you do mess up, do this. Own it, repent, and apologize to the people you messed up to. It's as simple as that. And then get your eyes back on Jesus. Daniel had practiced this discipline since he first arrived in Babylon. In first chapter, verse 8, it said, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked this chief official for permission not to defile himself in any way. People who are determined and disciplined stay faithful to God when confronted with temptation. People who do that can depend on him for strength to resist. But those who have not prepared their hearts and minds to stay true to God and his word will find it difficult to resist sin and avoid conforming to the world's way of living. As long as you're focused on God, pastor always says, struggle towards the cross, struggle towards the cross, move towards the cross. You might mess up, you might fall down, you might get your eyes off for a second, but struggle towards the cross. As long as you're doing that, God is going to give you strength. But when you intentionally, willfully, and purposefully take your eyes off Jesus and try to do it your own way, you're destined for a fall. Anthony. Anthony Robles hopped onto the football field when he was 14. He was on his junior high football team, and he decided, like all the other times, I'm going to play football. If those kids can get out there and play football, then I'm going to play football. And he, he, he was knocked on his booty too many times to count, but he kept working out. He kept training. He kept hopping back onto the field. By the end of the season, he had become an important part of the defense, taking down back after back after back and causing the backs on the opposing team to second guess, trying to break through on his side of the ball. You don't become a one-legged defensive stopper in the most vicious sport we play without discipline. Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians nine twenty-four through 27. 
Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul's, Paul's uh, throwing down some pretty serious stuff here, and he's telling us that if we stop living a disciplined and holy life, that we may fail the test and lose out on the prize. There's a possibility that if we keep failing, that we've lost out on eternal salvation. Disqualification isn't a joke here, but thankfully we serve a God that when we own it, apologize, and repent, grace comes into play and we're given an extra chance. Finishing the race and living a disciplined life is characterized by moral and spiritual purity by integrity, by separating ourselves from evil, and by complete dedication to God. Winning the race requires exercising discipline and enduring tough times for Christ. And number three, Daniel's dedication was focused. I would have never have gotten my black belt had I not stayed dedicated to martial arts. I had to stay focused. It wasn't something that was going to happen overnight. I spent years with, with cracked knuckles from hitting speed bags, from being kicked in places that you really don't want to be kicked, um, from landing on concrete because I flew off the mats. It wasn't always pleasant. It was, definitely wasn't always fun. But I stayed dedicated. There were late nights. There were early mornings and hours and hours and hours of work. But my decision finally paid off. I got my black. Daniel knew exactly what was going on. He knew what they were done. He knew what the decree said. But his dedication to God kept him from giving up. Verse 10 in chapter 6 says, When Daniel learned, another version, the King James says, when he knew, when Daniel learned or knew that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done, just as he had done, just as he had done before. Although Daniel was diligent and loyal in his service to Darius, The king's order didn't take priority over his dedication to serving God. Daniel boldly continued doing what he'd always done, praying to and serving God. He wasn't flaunting his faith. He wasn't um, showing off. He was simply doing what he, sent, what he spent his life doing. He knew the other officials wanted him dead and out of the way and that they'd go to whatever means was necessary, but it didn't change his focus. I find it interesting that the word new in verse 10 here in Hebrew means to be informed or to, be, to, to recognize or to understand or to certify Daniel knew exactly what was going to happen. There was, no, there was no question there. There was no doubts. There was no what ifs. He knew what the decree said. He knew what it meant. He knew that if he walked upstairs to his bedroom, got down on his knees, looked out the window, and started calling out to God, that there was one thing that was going to happen, and that was his imminent death. But he kept doing 
what he'd always been doing. He knew they'd be scoping out his house. These men were calculated. They were cunning. They were waiting to pounce. They were waiting to ambush him as soon as he kneeled in front of that window. And he was aware of that. But it didn't change his focus. He he knew these things, but it didn't alter how he did life. Despite the threat of being eaten alive, it never took his focus away. In the same way, there is nothing that should keep us from focusing on God daily through prayer, through reading the word, and meditating on his goodness every single day day. There are people out there that might be out to get you, but the most important thing you can do is being dedicated to your relationship with Jesus. Everything else is going to fall into place if you do that. Anthony chose to dedicate his life to wrestling, and that meant taking the bad with the good. And once he, he, he had walked into practice, and, and they had just went to a wrestling match and a meet, and they did absolutely horrible. They were horrendous, and the coach was just ticked off. They walked into the gym, and coach didn't even want to look at them. He just said, pick up a sandbag. Go get one of the 20-pound sandbags. Pick it up and start running. Start hitting the gym. Just take off running. He was furious. He didn't tell Anthony to pick up a bag. But he didn't tell him not to either. Anthony dropped his crutches, picked up the sandbag, and hopped. He went a few steps before he fell over. But he got back up, he picked up the sandbag, and he hopped. He fell over, got back up, picked up the sandbag, and hopped. He got up again and again and again. He fell again and again and again, but he did not stop until the rest of the team stopped. He was determined. While determination is the fuel, dedication is the follow-through on finishing what you start, no matter how difficult the outcome may be. We don't know the strength of our conviction until we're forced to make a sacrifice. Daniel was willing to die before taking his focus off God. Fortunately, we know the end of the story. We know that supernaturally, um, God closed all the mouths of the lions and Daniel was saved. We know that, but he didn't. When he was pushed into the cave, when he was pushed into the den, he had no idea that God would do something crazy like that. But his focus was so strong that it wouldn't have mattered if they did or not. All he knew is that his determination, discipline, and dedication would be focused on God. Anthony Robles concluded his college career as a national champion with an overall record of 122 and 23 and as a three-time All-American. His focus paid off, and now he's um, a motivational speaker and going and telling people his story everywhere. We know where Daniel's focus was. What will your focus be on today? Will you focus on the trials of life or on the face of Christ? Be determined, be disciplined, and be dedicated in your focus and never take your eyes off Jesus.